Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. We are in a series entitled uh, Better, and as always, we provide the notes for you. If you want to take a picture of the QR code, you can follow along. This is a series where we have been uh, spending a lot of time talking about the idea that Jesus came not just so that you can make it to heaven someday and be united with him and your sins be forgiven and you have eternal life, but Jesus came to also make life here on earth better. Jesus came, the Bible says in John, uh, I believe it's chapter 10, it says that I came that they may have life and life to the full. In other words, there's survival life and then there's abundant life. And Jesus actually came so that your life would go from survival to better. And in the process, that better comes to you, but that better goes through you in the lives of the people around you. And so through this series, I've been saying a life lived for Jesus makes everything connected to your life better. He wants to improve you as a parent. He wants to make your life better as an employee, as a business owner, as somebody who's invested maybe in a career or is uh, investing making purchases, buying a home. The Lord has a way of making every component of your life better as you start a relationship with him. And this morning, I want to draw your attention to just a great piece of scripture in John chapter 21, verse 25. It simply says, now there were also many other things that Jesus did. This is at the end of Jesus's life that we're reading. At At the end, it says, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Just a small verse. It's the end of the book of John. It's after the resurrection of Jesus. But John says, there are so many more stories that I could tell about what Jesus did in the lives of other people that if I were to write down everything, there wouldn't be enough books The world couldn't hold all the books that could be written. And so I've entitled my message this morning, this is directed at you, the better thing is Jesus gives you personally a better story when you give your life to him. Your story will be radically better when you live for Jesus. It won't be the bland, boring, usual story that a lot of people get stuck in. You know, they graduate high school, they get a job. They get married, they have some kids. That's all wonderful, but then it's a day in, day out. Make it to Friday. Thank God it's Friday, and oh, man, it's Monday. And thank God it's Friday. Oh, it's Monday. And life is just this vicious process of waiting till the next day until ultimately you die. That will not be your story if you follow Jesus because Jesus has a better story for your life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who's here today. Thank you for the water baptisms that we've been able to enjoy. Thank you for each person who's online, maybe right now or who's listening in later. Lord, I pray that you'll capture their heart and cause them to begin to dream, if they already haven't, about the story that you're wanting to write in the pages of their life. What a better story that comes about when we say yes to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let me hear that nice and loud. Amen. You know what amen means, right? It means I believe. I'm in agreement. I'm all in. I, I, yes. I say yes. It's another way to say yes, as if you own that. So do me a favor. Don't be a spectator today. Just be involved with the message, and you'll get much more out of it, and so will the person next to you. You know, the average person's story 
includes things like when they're born. And if you listen to somebody tell their story, or maybe you've told your story in the past, or you've been at a party and people are sharing stories, or you're at the lunch table at school, usually the story includes things like you know where a person was born, a few childhood stories, maybe some crazy things that they experienced, or how many houses they lived in, or the dog that they had that was incredible. And then maybe the story switches to going off to college, or possibly how they met their spouse and how that worked out and where their wedding took place, maybe how their children came into their lives and some of the challenges there that they faced, stories of wins and stories of losses, and then the story comes to an end at some point in all of our lives, and we end up uh, finding ourselves in that, in that spot where our life comes to an end. Usually in most people's stories, though, they are the central figure in the story. And so as they tell the story, it's all of these surrounding events that happen around them, but they're, they're right there in the center of their own story. Now, a believer, a follower of Jesus, has a similar story, but I believe their story is better because it has a few components that I want to show you today that wouldn't be an unbeliever's story. And ultimately, one of the best parts about the story is the moment you meet Jesus and begin to follow him is you cease being the central figure in the story, and the main person in the story is him, and all of the support is in you getting to experience what he does in your life, to your life, and then through your life. So these are some of the components that I really value that I no wouldn't show up in your story if you don't follow Jesus. Number one, the story of how you met Jesus. And I think that if you talk to every single person this morning who was baptized, and we didn't have the time to do that, every one of them could tell a story about how they found themselves in this weird moment, unexpectedly maybe, where Jesus showed up in their life and began to, the Holy Spirit began to draw them to Jesus. I mean, if you're a believer, think about that in your own life. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you had a Christian mom and dad and you were very young and you went to church and maybe at VBS, you, you went up front and you said yes to Jesus. And maybe it was you were a teenager and your friend brought you to youth group. And there came that weird moment where like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I want what these people have. Maybe you're older. Maybe, maybe it's your kids. They had an experience with Jesus, and that's what's drawn to you. Or maybe your grand, it's your grandchildren who had that experience. I know for me, and I've shared the story so many times, but I had no plans on serving Jesus. I thought Jesus was up in heaven in a uh, crate and when we get to heaven, we would actually take a crowbar and pop him out, and he would poof, come out, and then we would begin eternity starting to get to know who Jesus was. I had no real idea that Jesus was for here and now, an everyday part of my life, that he wanted to do that. And so stepping into a church like ours for the very first time at 18 years old, wow, to suddenly find myself in the presence of God, which I had never experienced before, and to feel that drawing and that for the first time just actually life, like something drawing me like a tractor beam, but it was life. And knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that, man, God wanted to, wanted to do some things in my life, and all I had to do was say yes. And I've shared that story so many times, but for you, each of us, we have a similar story. And it's remarkable. You know, that's the heart of God. He's wanting to draw every person. He's regularly working at drawing people into relationship. The beauty 
of our story as believers is it all changes the moment you say yes. And this great portion of scripture about a woman in John chapter 4 who just went to the well one day, had no expectation that she, she certainly wasn't going to church, had no expectation of spiritual things happening in her life. In fact, this is a woman who... Uh, didn't have a good track record with relationships, with marriages especially. She'd been divorced five times, was now living with the sixth guy, and she shows up at a time of day at a well to get water so she would not be interacting with any of the other townspeople. She's probably a social outcast. She had probably been canceled at this point in her life. She was the person that everyone talked about. She was that story in the community. And yet, when she showed up, Jesus was at the well. And it's remarkable the crazy places that Jesus will show up at in our lives. Don't ever, mom, dad, don't ever underestimate the amazing ways that Jesus can show up in your child's life. In fact, sometimes when things are looking the worst, begin to rub your hands because that's when God does his very, very best work. Anybody agree? You've seen that happen? Or is it just me? Right? And so God shows up. And so at this moment, Jesus started a dialogue with this woman. And so some things happen just briefly. And she has such an encounter. It just takes just a few seconds of being in the presence of God. She gets all fired up. And in John chapter 4, she left her water jar. She left, she left the well. And she begins to run to, into town to talk to all the people that she was previously avoiding. She's like, come, come and, come and meet this man who's told me everything about my life. And she was so fired up. And she was so excited because finally she had met the creator of the universe. And the Bible goes on to say that people in town were so moved by her response, they came out to the well, and eventually in this chapter, many of them give their lives to Jesus because she gave her life to Jesus, and they look at her and they're like, look, your story was really good, but we didn't just give our life to Jesus because of your story. We gave our life to him because now we've met him. And I want you to dream about your friends. There's people in your world there's people that you go to school with. There's people that you work with that, that their story is on the verge of beginning, but the thing that starts that chapter, the thing that starts that book is your invitation to invite them to come near. Um, as I've shared my story so many times, you'll remember that there was a man who invited my family simply to dinner on a Monday night. And from dinner, he invited us to a youth service they were having at the church that night, which then led me to being, becoming a Christian. It's as easy as inviting someone strategically to dinner, opening up your world, inviting somebody into your life, inviting them to come camping with you, inviting them to come to, to dinner one night, inviting them over to your home, inviting them into your world with an agenda. God used me to see these people experience the same you that I've experienced. And the Lord just does that over and over and over and over. And that's a beautiful first step of the story. The second part of a story of a believer uh, that an unbeliever doesn't have is stories of rewarded faith. Anybody? You've, you've seen your faith rewarded? I'm not just talking about your saving faith. I'm talking about when God put you in a situation and said, come on, Trust me. And you're like, but, but Lord, I don't see how this is going to work out. He says, come on, trust me. I'm going to take care of this. Anybody got, you, come on, let me see it on your face. Show me with your face. I can see you. As surely as you can see me, I can see you. Let your face express, yes, 
That moment of where I trusted God and God did something amazing. Anybody? Yeah, absolutely. There's those moments in our lives that as we follow, following Jesus is following. Like you're going to put your foot down and sometimes God will say, I want you to trust me, boom, with your money as Steve shared tonight, this morning. Or there's a moment where God will challenge you to do something a little out of the norm and he says, no, 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 don't, don't make that offer. Hold off, hold off. Now make it. And you take the step, and it's a step of faith. You're doing the thing that you probably otherwise would not do, but you're doing it because you read it in the Bible, or you heard it through the Spirit of God, or you felt impressed from the Lord, and you did something that was in obedience to what he was saying, and you found yourself out there on a limb and then discovered Man, he's holding up this whole limb, and this thing is as sure as anything in this lifetime. There are so many people all throughout the Scripture, all throughout the Bible, who have had their faith rewarded. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, just starts that chapter about all the great heroes of faith in the Old Testament leading into the New Testament. People who trusted God with their life, and they went on the greatest adventure. I, I honestly feel like this, that from the moment I said yes to Jesus, my life has been one adventure after the next. And I haven't always known where the next step was going to land, but I knew who had the next step. And so listening to him and trusting him with every single step, I have found myself in places doing things that are crazy, different countries building houses, preaching in different states, in different countries around the world, living in, I never dreamed that I would ever move to the state of Washington. In fact, when I got the offer to come to Washington, because I lived on the East Coast, I didn't even know, I knew where Washington was, but I literally said to the pastor, I said, brace yourself for this, I said to the pastor, so where do the Washington Redskins play? Some of you aren't laughing. You don't get it. Washington Redskins play in Washington. D well, they're not called that anymore. I apologize. Uh, they're, they play in <laughs> landmines. Watch out. Um, they play in Washington, D.C. I didn't, I didn't even know. I had no idea. I didn't, knew so little about Washington, the state of Washington, but I found it. It's, it's home for me. It's, it's where my kids have grown up. It's where my grandkids are probably going to grow up. And I never dreamed that I would live in this region. I, I, it's been such a crazy, amazing adventure. The Lord has done so many cool things. There's so many things that Rowena and I have just launched out and trusted God for, and there's been the reward after reward. And I could tell you story after story of, yeah, we trusted God to buy this house, and then we trusted God to invest in that, and we trusted God to start this thing, and then that happened. And certainly there are ups and downs, but faith in order for faith to really be experienced, there has to be some downward cycle in that process, right? For God to reward your faith. Um, those stories of faith in the book of Hebrews are amazing. I would challenge you to read those. Your life, if you follow Jesus, should read an adventure of faith at a time and play out that entire way. Also, there are stories of redemption, you know, a story of redemption is where you really, really, really blow it bad, and God shows up and does some really good, good stuff. Or something terrible happens, unexpected, maybe from the outside coming your way, and you're like, man, this is going to take me out. And then God says, no, 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 it's not going to take you out. You're mine. I'm responsible for you. 
I've got this covered. And probably everyone who's served God for any length of time in this room, you have stories of redemption. You see, if you don't have Jesus in your life, when things come at you in life, you are left to fight through with your best resources. But I can assure you that your best resources don't compare to God's resources. And so the amazing thing is that God shows up in your life when you live for him and when you call out on him in ways that are mind-boggling. And usually he doesn't just right the wrong. Like if you started here and something bad happens and drops you down to here, God has this amazing ability to not just bring you back to square, but then to throw extra in your world. I mean, we read through the Bible where people have been lied about on their job and lost their job and ended up in prison. Now, the fair would be to get out of prison and get your job back, right? But when you read in Joseph's life, Joseph ends up becoming ruler of the entire nation he was imprisoned by. God does these crazy redemptive stories in our life because God looks out for his kids. And he's not looking just to see his kids be squared up. God is always wanting to pour his favor into his children's lives. He's always wanting to move you ahead and strengthen you and and give you a stronger voice, especially in the world of, of the people around you. When God does a miracle in your life, it's never just for your experience. It's for those who are watching you, and there are people who are watching you. And people who are watching Boy, that deep dive of tragedy that hits you, and then God's goodness and his grace and that redemptive work that he does that brings you back up and out and then better than ever, that miracle that he works on your behalf. Romans chapter 20, or chapter 8, verse 28, this would be a verse that many of you would quote, but look at it again one more time. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That doesn't say that all things work good. It doesn't say that everything is going to work out good. But it does say that God will work for those that love him things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The message says it this way. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. This is a great consolation that I have, and I think that you should as a believer have as well is that if I'm experiencing something that's challenging, if I'm experiencing something that's less than best, although I'll have this wave of emotions, this is, this is the thing that's going to take me out. You ever, you ever felt like you've experienced? I know some of you have felt that. Like there's this thing that hits your world, and you're like, you know what? This is going to be the wave that wipes this, this whole thing out. But you knuckle down, and you're like, Jesus. And maybe it's a little bit more, Jesus! Maybe you're in the backyard screaming up to the heavens. Maybe you're out in the woods. Maybe you're driving down the road in your car and you're screaming, God, I need, I desperately need your help. And you, you've come to the end of the end of the end. But then as I was saying earlier today, you kind of cross the pass and you go from desert and all of a sudden there's that spot of rain and the green lush trees God has a way of turning things around. He has a way of redeeming. He buys the bad, takes it on the cross, and then pushes back into your world favor and goodness and the bounty of heaven. And I've seen that happen every... 
I'm telling you, I've experienced some bad things in life. Some of you have known me long enough. You're like, whoa, that happened. And I'm not a victim. I'm not here to say my stories. My scar is not bigger than yours. That's not what I'm saying. But we've all experienced some rough, rough stuff. But every experience that I've had in this lifetime, I've watched God circle back and take the thing that was used against me and fashioned it for something that would be favorable in my life. Some of the best things in my life, as crazy as this will sound, are the deepest wounds and the deepest scars in my life. Some of the most hurtful things that have ever happened to me, that could have been the end of that story if I wasn't a believer. But in that deep pit, in that moment of incredible difficulty, Jesus, you've got to have an answer here for me somewhere in the midst of this. He always has come around and brought me through and then brought me back to a place where I'm good to go better than ever. That is a frequent recurring theme that happens in the life of all believers and in the life of believers today. That's a, a story that unbelievers don't have. In fact, many of the stories end with a tragedy and it's just a, 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 it's just a skid mark in life or some of them end up fighting the best thing that they can and they come out the other side with, with a huge limp in life. But you have the ability to see God come in and breathe life into a difficult situation. And then that brings about a spot of refreshing and accelerated life. Final uh, part of the story that I just want to mention about your better story as you follow Jesus this morning is the stories of how God used you. And we've talked about that this morning. I mean, just, just thinking about baptizing Evan and knowing that his friendship with Jocelyn probably and Jaden, I'm going to call it a friendship. I think they, I've seen them looking at each other. I don't know if this is news to anyone. I think, I think they kind of like each other a little bit. And how just a, but a good friendship can lead to like transformation of people's lives. That God, we want to, we, we, some, sometimes in our, in our life, we get this idea that God use me. It's like this mysterious thing. And then when the moment comes, angels are going to be in the flood around in my room and the lights are going to go dim, but angelic glow is going to fill the room. And all of a sudden I'm going to hear booming out of the mouth of God. Yea, I say, go to the nations. And we see the will of God as something huge like that. When the will of God can be as simple, again, as inviting someone to dinner. It might not feel super spiritual, but when you really look at Jesus' life, Jesus had a lot of meals with a lot of people. He spent a lot of time in people's homes and them at his house. There's not a person in this room that can't be used of God. Even if your life is severely challenged, God can use a cup of coffee on a break time. I ended up when I was in, uh, after I graduated college, Rowan and I were in the process of getting married. And uh, she was in California and I lived in Connecticut, couldn't be any further apart. And I was trying to save up money because I graduated college with nothing. I've got to fly out to California. I've got to get married. I've got to fly my wife back to the house I do not have yet, to the career that I do not have, to an opportunity in a church that's yet to present itself. And so I end up getting two jobs. I'm working 
one job. It's, a, it's kind of part-time, full-time. Start, started, I think, at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, went to 10 o'clock at night working at a print shop. And at 10 o'clock, I would get in my car and I would drive all the way over to a place that was a big factory that made Brunswick golf shafts. And of all things, right out of college, I'm seeing golfers like, oh, yeah. Listen, I walk into this huge factory and they put me in charge of a ceiling crane. This is the greatest thing ever. I push these buttons and this wire that goes way up in the ceiling and I'm walking around and this whole, this whole ceiling crane is moving across this building that's probably the size of a football field. And I grab these big bundles of steel in these straps, I hoist them up in the air and there's about 10 different tanks that I have to dip them into. Now, mind you, by 10 o'clock at night, I've already worked one job and I have to work till 11, the shift I think started at 11. I've got to work till about six o'clock in the morning six days a week, and I'm separated from the beautiful girl that I'm about to marry, and that went on from May or April all the way till October. And so I'm working 60, 70 hours a week, and, but I'm running the ceiling crane, and I'm exhausted, but I'm like, Lord, if I'm going to be here for this long, use me. Somehow, you've got to have me here for a purpose. It's not just to make money. It's not just to run the ceiling crane. It's not just to beat last night's time on how many of these units I could dip because everything's a competition, even though I'm not competitive. I want you to know that, okay? So I began to go into the break room. I really didn't want to go into the break room. I wanted to be left alone. My life was so crazy, but I went into the break room, and there was this guy that was there, and I, hey, how's it going? And we got to talking. And so that turned into at least one of the breaks every night. I would end up hanging outside with this guy, having a cup of coffee. And then that turned into sharing my story. And then that turned over the next couple of months into me inviting him. Hey, can I pray for you? Such a cool night when he said, yeah, I've got this thing going on. I'm newly married, but my marriage is not going well. Can you pray for me? Are you cool? It's just two, it's three o'clock in the morning behind a warehouse. Lord, I pray you'd touch my friend. I pray you'd help him to, to have wisdom, how to be a husband. God, I pray that you'll visit him in a powerful way. I remember it was around September and I was winding down this job. I, I had kept saying, you know, you, you really, you, you need to say yes to Jesus. You need to give your life to him. Well, we might have produced some pretty cool golf clubs there at Brunswick, um, AMC Golf Company, whatever it was called. Nothing was ever produced like the night behind that warehouse when this young man said to me, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And I got to pray with him behind a warehouse at 3.30 in the morning, and then to have him come to church for the last couple of weeks that I was going to be in town before I flew off to become the husband of Rowena. God can use you in your work setting. I know that it's, you know, you don't, shouldn't be, you know, using all of your company time to preach the gospel. If you're taking money at the counter, you, you, you can't necessarily tell every customer, hey, Jesus loves you. I get that. But you surely can be strategic and intentional about inviting people into your world and sharing the great gospel of what God, the good news of what God has done in your life. I can tell you that was such a cool experience, but man, those are the experiences that we get to be a part of, for you to be a part of, for you to invite a friend into our world, for you to see one of your friends get baptized, for you to have the confidence to someday stand on the platform and share your testimony financially, for you to teach a child's class, for you to be able to put your hands on somebody and say, be healed in Jesus' name. 
to have the confidence in the word of God. That is the story of a believer. Those are the components that you and I get to enjoy. One final uh, scripture worship team's gonna come and lead us in a final song, I think. We're a good-looking worship team. We need some, dude, some more dudes, though, okay? I mean, is that okay, ladies, for me to say that? More guys? No? You, yeah, Abby's like, yes, yeah, we need some guys. Guys, if you could sing, see Valerie. She can hook you up. What are you laughing at, Alana? I love her laugh. She has a great laugh. It's good to have a good laugh. It's good to have a good smile. It's good not to be embarrassed. and It's only awkward if we make it awkward, right? It's not awkward. Okay, final scripture. We do me a favor, stand with me. Such a neat verse that I'm about to read to you. Uh, it appears in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul the Apostle, writing about his life and people that he's won to the Lord, and he's writing to those people about the story that's being written in their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on the tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. God is in the process of writing his story in your life. It starts the moment you say yes to Jesus, and then each chapter is just filled with amazing things. Your response, your response to faith, your uh, deep dive of disappointment. It didn't work out the way I thought, but whoa, turn around into the next couple pages and God does a miracle on your behalf and it comes out the other way. And in the process, God is using you in the lives of other people, your children, your family, the next door neighbor, but we press in, amen? God has a great story and he is the central figure and you get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. It is such a better story if he is the story and you're in it. It's such a better story. If you're on the fence at all of saying yes to Jesus, come on, jump over. It is so bland and so, so, so bland on that side. But on his side, it's abundant life. It's an adventure. It's a journey. It's great things happening. God doing miracles. God using you in ways above and beyond that which you could ever imagine. Amen? Come on over. Men, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for people who said yes, demonstrated that through water baptism today. I thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room. Father, today we, we thank you for the story that you're writing in our lives. It's a better story since you showed up, or finally since we opened our eyes and could see you. It became better when we said yes and began to follow you. Lord, thank you for this lifetime, this adventure of faith. We thank you for all of the things that it changes. It is so much better walking with you than walking alone. Lord, I'm asking you to, to draw each person as they ever, at, maybe from the first time they step into this room, God, till they say, yes, draw. We trust that draw. Holy Spirit, you draw all men. As we lift up Jesus, Jesus, you said you would draw all people unto yourself. We trust that process. Lord, we, we again, as believers, we say yes, fresh new today to you. 
I say yes to you. The greatest response ever in my lifetime. When I, the first time I said yes. And every day, yes since then. Lord, it's a joy to walk with you. We're excited about walking with you. We pray, God, that you will continue to do the amazing in our lives, but also do the amazing through our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You believe that? Good stuff. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.